You are listening to Radio Free Signs of the Times, broadcasting into the heart of an occupied America. Welcome to this week's Signs of the Time podcast. I'm Henry C. I'm not Henry C. I'm not Joe Quinn. <laughs> and I'm not Stanley. With us tonight is special invited guest, Stanley B. Stillingfleet, the well-known author who will be publishing a book this year with Red Pill Press. Exploring the darker sides of society, the book is entitled, uh, is a working title, In Defense of the Innocent, and it is a detailed look at child pornography, sex slaves, and human trafficking, arms dealing. The underbelly. The underbelly of the pathocracy. The underbelly of government uh, activities. Yes. Uh, this this book, I hope, will act as a kind of primer for the for the, uh, shall we say, more difficult material, or oh, let's not say that um, more esoteric material that's available. Children are, are are the platform from which I explore various aspects of um, society. So that deals with, uh, firstly, human trafficking, sexual slavery, uh, and also uh, narcotics. Uh, arms dealing and how they all link together. And I suppose the the fundamental uh, theme that runs throughout is uh, is how protection and fear is is created to uh, as tools of control, which is very very similar to the war on terrorism, and uh, the, it's, it seems to flow through throughout society. And society is, is being used effectively as a scapegoat for various. Uh, different forms of that control. For example, um, I've just finished looking or researching child pornography, and on the face of it, if you look at the internet, there's an enormous amount of information about child pornography. Most of it is sensationalist, um, but laced with an awful lot of truth, which uh, serves the powers that that be very well, because if you create uh, an enormous amount of chaos, you put uh, largely... Uh, innocent people in, in prison, along with a few paedophiles, for example, or people that are just looking at pornography, which incidentally is not a crime, this serves as a a way to displace suspicion towards the people that are really perpetrating this crime, which is people that are protected. And that may be politicians, policemen, members of the judiciary. So there does seem to be a very clever and complex theme that uh, could be discerned where you effectively make a lot of people a lot of innocent people scapegoats but in that there is still a, a, a very strong uh, flavour and suspicion that it doesn't seem to be quite the whole story I mean there's been a lot of examples since 1996 uh, with the Marc Dutroux case in, in Belgium which is very famous I think most people have, have heard of that. He was a, effectively called a paedophile and a psychopath, but but he, w- he was a, a small, if you like, a, a, a garden variety psychopath who was uh, clearly used as a way to, to um, uh, not only fulfill his own fantasies in that respect, but he was certainly used uh, in, a, in a wider network that included quite a few officials within the judiciary, uh, military, the police, 
who used children for, for abuse. So Mark Dutroux was put away really as a, as a sop uh, for the media and for people that, that uh, wanted justice. But, but, of course, the people that really were really perpetrating these crimes uh, are still at large because, again, they're protected. So you're getting many, many uh, situations where you have a, a very high-profile jury that comes to the decision that, that the minor players are guilty and they're put away. But if you look at a lot of the cases since 1996, and 96 seems to be a, a pivotal period, there are an enormous amount of cases that seem to be uh, appearing during that year, and many of which, uh, but we, we don't read this in the med- media, but many of which turn out to be false, false claims, or a mixture of the two. And none of the people, uh, bar a few politicians that have been proved innocent, none of the people that, uh, that go down have been high profile. Uh, even the ones that have been proved innocent, there's still some aura of uh, suspicion there. And you never really know exactly what's going on, which is why it's such a perfect tool to create fear, total confusion regarding regarding paedophilia and pornography. Uh, and this is fundamentally what the book is about. What, what is really going on and how are, is it being used as primarily like the war on terrorism as a way to control or is, it, is there really uh, a very wide-ranging network of people that prey on, on children linked to human trafficking, linked to the underworld, uh, because it's all linked to profit? Or is it just sensationalism? Well, I think, as ever, it's a mixture of uh, all, all three of those things. And to separate out these elements, a great way to do that is to work back from the war on terrorism and various forms of control that, that have been debated and discussed uh, on Signs of the Times. So in, in a very real, real way, the, the pornography, child pornography and uh, human trafficking and, and many of the, the major sources of geopolitical control are primarily about protection, the creation of fear that leads into more and more control. So are you saying, I mean, on, on the science page, we've had a few articles every now and then when they come out with a story and it's, you know, uh, is it, you know, authorities in, you know, 12 countries cracked down and kicked down doors and they arrested, you know, 150 people and they confiscated all these computers with all this, you know, child pornography on it and all that stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, like what, what percentage, you know, in, in, in these cases are, you know, what percentage of the people are actually innocent or, you know, do they just plant evidence, you know, just to make well, examples of people yeah. or, or like how does it? Like, well, that's the, the clever thing. It's a, it's a mix. It's always a mix. So what what... Uh, what we find in, in some cases like the, the Casa Pia orphanage scandal in, in Portugal where you did have politicians that were involved but in the end they were, they, I think they'd been released um, after I think it was a three or four year case there was still some s- suspicion but the evidence was so poor it was all on hearsay, it was all from witness testimony and then, remember there's a lot of compensation, there's a lot of money involved in saying you've been abused. That's not to say that, that people weren't abused. It's a mix of the two. So you're getting people that weren't abused looking for some really decent cash. And you've got politicians that, that were abusers. But many of the people that are really <coughs> perpetrating these crimes are not in court. So effectively, it's all sealed up before you even get there. But you have enough of a, of a showcase, enough of a pantomime, to give the public the idea that justice is being done. 
Just talking about the, um, uh, you know, you're talking about the people that are that are really behind this, or really uh, the orchestrators of this. And you've also talked about um, the, you mentioned the word, uh, in other words, geopolit- geopolitical control. And at the beginning, you talked about uh, the kind of three areas of uh, child pornography, human trafficking, and uh, drug trafficking. And my question is just, are these, these activities government-inspired? Do they essentially come down from the level of government, or what percentage? If not, what percentage is from the government, and what percentage is from, for example, the underworld? And is there a difference between the underworld <coughs> and government? Is there a government underworld? Uh, yeah, I think there is, but again, it's, it's, it's a highly complex area but from from what i what, what i can gather so far is there was certainly a, a dedicated campaign uh america and england are good examples of this and there was a recent high profile case called operation or which is a uh, apparently a, a crackdown on on uh, child pornography well if you if you look at the the figures and the the uh, investigations and if you look at the newspaper articles, it's very sensationalist. It's very high profile. But now, now that it's been wound up, I think it was wound up in 2005, the number of people, innocent people, uh, is, is scores of innocent people that it's now been proven uh, had nothing whatsoever to do with uh, looking at child pornography. And it's a complex case, but the evidence uh, is for anyone, if they want to look on the Internet, um, uh, they can find out very, very clear evidence of people that were put away with the flim- flimsiest of, of uh, uh, testimony. And the reason for that is, uh, by their own admission, the police uh, set up an, uh, an entrapment operation because they were told by uh, members of the U.S. government that this was a serious problem. And it is. It is a problem, but it's not uh, as vast an epidemic as, as is being made out. So the next question is, why, why would uh, the U.S. government and elements of the British government want to pursue this this uh, sort of media frenzy and, and exacerbate this this uh, idea that, that, that there is you know, at least 250,000 websites dedicated to child pornography, which is pl- completely false. Well, that's, that brings up another inter- interesting question of, um, of why... I mean, it seems to me that... Um, a whole, a whole phenomenon of, of, of child pornography has um, has really um, come to the fore over the past maybe you know ten ten years or so, and you know we can maybe link that with the internet, uh, and that might be a you know some people might suggest that this is one of the primary causes of the spread of this, as the government might tell us, uh, because it's it's freely available on the, on the internet. But that for me that's a that's um, doesn't quite make sense because I would have thought that anybody who has a kind of proclivity towards uh, abuse of children or child uh, pornography that um, that they wouldn't need to. Uh, I mean, it would have been it, it's part of it's part of their makeup in a way, or it's part of who they are, and uh, and the internet wouldn't necessarily have a have that much of an effect on, on mm. it because I'm sure child pornography went on long before the internet existed. Sure, uh, and, and abuse of children has been mm. going on for for, for millennia. Um, so. You know what? What is the, in your opinion, what is the cause of the the recent kind of uh, well, I think appearance it, of? of I, this? I think it's to do with the fact that people are generally have more information, and that there, there is a more a growing, more of a growing awareness of abuse generally. But um, and there is a steady rise in society of abuse. That's without question. But again, it's it's not as bad 
as, uh, as the newspapers, the internet would make out. It does exist and it is on the rise, there's no question. But it seems to be being used as so many things. Uh, it's being used as a tool of control to create more fear. And again, as I said, um, it seems to be a, a small minority of people that are that are seeking to exacerbate the, if you like, the the pathological elements within society that are certainly present. But the, but the, the, the it's like they're they're seeing how they can use this to their own ends. Mm. How can we create more fear, more control? In in other words, to to get a tighter and tighter rein on people's um, idea of what is um, what is going on, or who uh, they are. Uh, yeah. Indeed, who they because are, that's yeah. that's what it seems to me that there's a, there's a palpable sense uh, over the years, uh, over recent years, where where this has uh, been in, in the news a lot. Uh, that this is a problem, and it's you know obviously it's quite a shameful problem um, that has been given to society, mm. uh, particularly in the UK. I mean, that's, that's the one place that I would have been aware of it, that, it's, uh, that this is being, you know, via the media and via the government programs against it. Mm. That the, it's almost like society and, you know, so every individual in society is being told that, you know, that in a way they're responsible for this or that they should, you know, that's a collective guilt in a way. It's a know? really interesting point because the, if you look at the nature of, of sexuality, we know that it's, it's a... It's a it is a, a major, a major topic and a motive topic but when you're talking about, if you put a man in the middle of a, who's judged to be, uh, to have raped a, a baby, for example. Now this, this happens, this goes on. But it's not as frequent as they say. But let's, let's say this man, who has been labelled uh, a child abuser, of uh, raping a baby, a three-year-old. Now you present that to a jury, and immediately their reasoning is skewed to think that, well, this guy is standing in front of me, and you have a, a photos and visual images of a child that's been raped, immediately your, your sense of reasoning is, is distorted but just because of the emotive nature of the subject. So whether that, that, that man is guilty or not, he's already, uh, in effect, in, in a kind of uh, witch hunt within, within that, that setting. So most of the, the abuse claims that, that come up Sure, there are some that, that go down, and even the sentencing there, uh, they don't know why the sentencing is so lax for people that are clearly guilty. That's it, the other element. But, but, but the other element, I think, is... I mean, I, I've got a bit of something I wrote in, in one chapter, if I can just read it. If you remember in the 1980s and 90s, there was a real harassment of, of people from social workers, from, from social welfare, welfare this politica, politically correctness gone crazy... There was this heightened sense that, you know, you, you mustn't do anything that is construed to be abuse. So, so there's, um, I, th I wrote uh, here, is that the harassment of innocent citizens where artists, parents and individuals take nude pictures of their children under entirely natural and loving circumstances uh, was turned into something sordid and degrading in the minds of the prosecutors. Uh, this resulted in untold trauma for all those targeted under the guise of protection, and these laws give further credence to the looming shadow of a very real police state in the United States. More disturbingly, the matter does not stop there. We might also say that we are now faced with the possibility that government itself, after seeking to stem a largely imaginary tsunami of child porn, became its greatest purveyors and sellers due to factional objectives, uh, the most important being perhaps the, the protection of an elite who do indeed prey on children and young adults as a way of life, systemized and institutionalized political 
sorry, by political expediency and blackmail. And this uh, this blackmail is a key to that, um, because firstly, if you create situations where you have paedophiles in government, then instantly you have a bargaining chip. You're able, and this is from the Israeli perspective, they have a sexpionage yeah, unit that's, yeah, that's precisely for that. And a lot of the scandals, Bill Clinton scandals, the uh, Chandra Levy, Monica Lewinsky, all that is directly related to this. Well, all of that would seem to be just the tip of the iceberg. Exactly. I mean, because we suspect that the, that the um, agents of the State of Israel have been able to um, gain pretty much uh, a complete control over most of the American Completely. executive co- branch of the government and, and all of Congress, or most of Congress and Senate by, uh, by, by this type of blackmail, you know, where they're right. able to infiltrate the, the lives of these people um, in, in various ways and, uh, so and to it use this. And it's, it's primarily sexual, or a lot of it is sexual. Completely. Obviously, there's other kind of dealings that they can be blackmailed over, but a lot of it would be in terms of like you're saying, this uh, the, the demonization of any kind of sexual uh, conduct, you know? Yeah, I mean, you have people gravitating to that type of uh, system, that pyramidal system uh, in politics, where they, they they seem to have that nature, whether it be abuse or, or rape or paedophilia, which is essentially about power, I think. So you get people that are, are interested in power and, and, and have this kind of pathology, so they're very useful in that way. And then you've got the society being demonized to see that, uh, that everything they do sexually somehow is, is, uh, uh, can, can be reported as some form of abuse. I mean, in some, in some areas you've got uh, some right-wing uh, or conservative people in Britain saying this is the nanny state. And uh, although I wouldn't go along with uh, many, many of the, of the things that, that um, conservative uh, political conservatism, uh, um, as it is in, in Britain at the moment, it, that particular nanny state is rapidly turning into police state precisely because of this um, freedom to, to just take innocent pictures of your child. We're going to say, you know, is 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 actually you can be prosecuted now. Well, there have been cases where people at you know like one-hour photo places in the U.S. have developed photos of parents who've taken pictures of their children and they turn them over to the police. Yeah. But there are other cases in the United States where wasn't there one recently where some six year old in a daycare center or in a you know daycare or you know kindergarten or something was uh, accused of sexual harassment of one of his playmates. Mm. Yeah, because he he, he he put his one of his fingers or something just in the in the in the waistband of of, of his of his uh, classmates um, you know pants. Mm-hmm. But it's a perfect it's a perfect way um, to to essentially block a natural natural um, sexual expression. Not only that, but it's a perfect way to make people super super sensitive to to every aspect in society. Uh, and, and it's it's a way to to um, uh, I mean it, the the beauty of it is it is so complex. I mean there, there's so much truth within all of it within all of this. So you can mix it up so that no one really knows what the hell's mm-hmm. going on. But the only people that do and are able to continue this because of this protection uh, are the people that uh, are beyond the law. Yeah. Well, you the people who make the laws. <laughs> people who make the laws. Uh, exactly. 
you yeah. mentioned the Dutroux case earlier on. In the media circus that surrounded that, did the mainstream media in Belgium or, or anywhere else focus at all on who might have been behind Dutroux? Yeah, n- not not really. No, there was in fact the Belgians themselves did a, a massive demonstration, probably the biggest demonstration related to uh, uh, a crime trial ever. Um, uh, and I uh, I forget the name now, but they did wear um, white flags to, uh, the, of uh, demanding you know justice because any any idiot could see that it wasn't just Dutroux that was. Uh, Mm-hmm. Of the loan, that there was a, a network behind yeah. him, yes, yeah. and, that, and that this was this network was uh, or included, um, po- included. Po- politicians, had yes. politicians and members of uh, the establishment. Uh, there are members of the judiciary, and the judiciary. Um, uh, there was another judge that was uh, was eventually replaced by Connerut, who was uh, a fantastic judge who had personal dealings with the case. In fact, he he was he, he was one of the the people that was. That were present when uh, two of the girls were rescued, um, so he had intimate knowledge of uh, the, the case right from the beginning, and he was a, a very experienced judge. Of course, he was eventually taken off the case from people saying that he had uh, abused his position of, through uh, uh, this impartial position because he was he attended a, a charity gathering related to to this. So that was this mm-hmm. was said that this was not on. So he was taken off. And he was saying that he was intimidated <coughs> by what he called a, 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 a virtual mafia mm-hmm. um, that was operating within Belgian judiciary and that was intimately in, uh, involved with this this network. He had no no qualms about saying that. Um, after, this was after the the trial. For me, the the kind of the, the frightening thing about the whole situation is that. Um, you know, it doesn't. I, I can accept the fact that uh, that there are a group of people who would organise themselves uh, in some kind of a network, uh, and from which they would then prey on children, organise the, the you know the kidnapping of children to be abused or to be sexually abused. Um, but from all of these cases uh, that have been in the media, uh, it's and, and which you kind of outline in your book, uh, it's it's pretty clear that. That obviously that these kind of networks exist, but that they wield an awful lot of power, that they're able to suppress well, and control the judiciary. They're able to sure. get away with it essentially, sure. and that kind of suggests to me that these people are, I don't know what are the what are the, what are the uh, areas of power uh, in our society? It's it's government and it's big business, definitely, uh, um, and it's organized. Okay, it's organized crime, but it's organized crime very often has a link toward to, to government and big business as well. Sure. So that's the kind of frightening aspect of it, and I, I kind of, you know, I often wonder about, you know, I mean, like we've been talking, you know, just which members of 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 the of Western governments are actually are actually, you know, essentially well, child abusers, you know. Sure. Um, well, a high percent. I mean, there's a r- certainly rumours that in the in the New Labour Party, there's there's been persistent rumours now that there. I mean, this is almost like a joke in, in some circles that it's the, it's a paedophilia party. You know, I mean, you have to be careful with that because you, you don't know for sure. And it can so easily... And it's, a, easily, it's an easy way to smear your opponents exactly. as well. Exactly. This is why it's so perfect because it, it can be, you know, you, you, they are winners either way. When you see that some person in power is being accused of pedophilia and you don't like the guy, it's mm. very easy to want to believe 
exactly. what you're hearing, whether exactly. or not it's true. Yeah, yeah. This is what happened in the in the in the Casa uh, Pia case in Portugal. There was one guy that really did seem to be completely innocent. It was politically motivated. But then in Italy, there was a case um, that was with clear evidence. There's unequivocal evidence of the most, you know, appalling uh, crimes where where children were tortured to death uh, on video. Uh, and this was the ne- Necros Pidos trial. That was. You know, just beyond belief, and there was uh, many, many um, uh, people that, that they thought that they didn't get to. They got to again, once again, small-time handlers that was was sort of sacrificed. And again, this uh, after the Dutro case, there was a, a, a link to Andre Kuhls in Belgium, who was assassinated in 1991. Who was a who was a uh, equivalent of a, I think it was a social democrat, uh, social democratic politician. In the Belgian government, uh, who, who was found to have been assassinated by uh, Mossad, uh, who then uh, had links to Gerald Bull, who was a, a major arms dealer, and uh, some of the elements, uh, some of the people suspected and who weren't prosecuted, had definite links to to uh, to um, uh, Gerald Bull and this network of arms dealers, and which Andre Kuhls was going to blow the whistle on, so he was taken out by Mossad, which then leads us to. To the idea of how how much does does Mossad and Israeli uh, how much does the Israeli influence extend uh, into the, these fields of espionage and, and uh, weapons and, and I think the answer is they've got their 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 mitts in almost every aspect. I should say that the, the, the Zionist aspect is is a very very interesting and complex cesspool. Uh, well, certainly, if you read on the Jewish Tribal Review website their book uh, where when victims rule they have masses of data oh, incredible about israeli and jewish mm. involvement in porn in prostitution yeah, yeah. in white slavery mm. i don't want to i don't want to focus in and, and sort of put a the onus on the, the fact that this is a you know this is all a, a jewish thing it's absolutely not there's a big difference between uh, uh, being in the pornography business you know Regardless of its morality, uh, to uh, the practice, systematic practice of uh, child abuse. Mm-hmm. Now there is a there is a moral argument there in terms of pornography, and that's another issue. But there is, uh, I mean, you were talking about the the how business, uh, geopolitics, and business are are linked, and you can really see that 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 link that can, that capitalist extreme capitalism that's manifesting in Iraq, for example, and in Africa. And, and most of the reason for that is due to, to um, European and American corporations uh, essentially raping these countries. I mean, that's an emotive word, but that's, that's what it is. Uh, because you get news reports of tribalism saying that you know, the children have been raped and people, you know, um, uh, whole villages destroyed. And if you look at the, the reasons why this tribalism is occurring, you can uh, you can trace it back to to corporations in the in the recently established African Union, for example, which is all about creating these these unions to serve essentially Western imperialism. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of an old leftist word, but it's very very much applicable. And I've got a little uh, quote here from a from an article by Jan uh, Jan Goodman from the Nation. 
she's a, a, a humanitarian worker, and she was talking about the, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and she talks about rape as a weapon. I mean, this is this has long been known. Uh, the rape, organized rape, can be used as a weapon to to uh, you know to destroy families, to make sure that none, none of the children or, or can can join the other side, if you like, uh, and it destroys the family line. So she talks about this. So she says, uh, so meanwhile, a UN Security Council panel has cited 85 multinational corporations, including some of the largest U.S. companies in their fields, for their involvement in the illegal exploitation of natural resources from the, the Democratic Republic of Congo. The commerce in these blood minerals, such as coltan, used in cell phones and laptops, cobalt, copper, gold, diamonds, and uranium, uh, Congolese uranium was used in the atomic bombs dropped, dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, uh, this is what drives the conflict. The brutality of the militias, the sexual slavery, transmissions of, of HIV, AIDS uh, through rape, cannibalism, slaughter, and starvation, forced recruitment of child soldiers has routinely been employed uh, to secure access to mining sites or ensure a supply of captive labor. So this is a, this is a corporate policy unspoken but this is what goes on as a matter of course in Africa and to a certain extent in the Balkans I mean that's another story so it's a familiar formula where these this this tripartite um, structure of arms trafficking and narcotics feed each other and human trafficking certainly is is, is probably in another 10 years if we have that long it's going to eclipse some narcotics as the major um, Funding. It's, it's, it's a, if it's a throwaway society, a consumer society, you're literally consuming and throwing away children to support this, this uh, triangle, this structure. Well, there's a question that I think each of us have that we've talked about. You're looking at, as Joe said earlier, the underbelly of things, and you're really looking into the cesspool. How do you do it and stay sane? Uh, I don't. <laughs> um, well, for me, the, the 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 way to 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 cope with uh, what you see is to is to feel like you're doing something without any kind of anticipation, but 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 just allowing all that energy, that effectively blocked energy, to be released constructively. I mean, it's um, if you if you think that you're all these things you see is not something you want to be part of and it's something that you very deeply is not part of uh, um, is not part of your life it's not something you want to promote it's not something that's part of who you are part of who you are then the only way that you, you can you can release that energy pr- productively creatively is by applying that knowledge in, uh, of, of what you see to fight against it to de- yes to defend against it to defend the innocent Indeed. In defense of the innocent. And that is the title of Stanley's book that we've been discussing this week on the Signs of the Times podcast. It'll be available sometime this year, and all of our listeners can uh, will be able to find uh, details about that book on our, on our website at www.signs-of-the-times.org. We'd like to thank Stanley for taking time out of his busy research schedule to come and visit us tonight. 
Thanks. And hopefully when your book is closer to being published, uh, we'll be able to have you back. It would be a very great pleasure, Henry. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.